everybody, get ready for Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis, a foodie born and bred. My wife, Nikki, loves chatting up chefs, dining out, and insider industry buzz. And my husband, David, thinks a great meal is nothing but a good burger, a frosty brew, and a chef for under $20, because he is cheap. Well, maybe so, but foodie married beast anyway, and together we've got the food and wine variety show that has everyone talking. It's Foodie and the Beast, and we are on now. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Foodie and the Beast on this beautiful day in Washington, D.C. Before we start the show, we're going to do something a little a little ballsy that some of the networks haven't been willing to do. We're, Very unconventional. We're calling the election for Joe Biden. Yay! <laughs> Thank yeah. God. Woo, woo, woo. Yay, and, and if, Kamala. And if the other guy is turning liquid in the White House for three months, I don't care. So okay. now let's get into the show. Uh, we're joined this morning by John Snedden, who's, uh, I think you He's probably been on this show a thousand times. You probably have our green coat. He's a proprietor of Rockland's Barbecue and Grilling Company, but he's also a Restaurant Association of Metropolitan Washington board member. And with him is Alonzo Freeman, who's the bar director at the Royal, a Rammy winner. Yes. Mm -hmm. And they're going to yeah, be talking yeah. about R.A.M.W. Cocktail Week. Because mm -hmm. we can all use a drink. Right. There you go. Amen, brother. We've been drinking. Um, uh, and also, Baltimore's got a very cool hotel uh, Hotel there called the Ivy. It's a, it's a luxury hotel in the historic Mount Vernon uh, district. Uh, they've reopened after a closure caused by the pandemic, and they've got a new restaurant concept. Magdalena has reimagined itself as a Maryland bistro. Their executive chef, Mark Levy, will join us. And back again with us, probably rivaling John for a number of appearances on this show, is Mike Curtin from DC Central Kitchen. He's going to provide us with details on the Capital Food Fight 2020. And also all the things that they've been doing during the COVID pandemic, because even though all we've been talking about is the election, there is still a pandemic going on. What she said. And who doesn't love the family-owned oh, excuse me, family -owned Lebanese Taverna's Mediterranean delights? Uh, Grace Abinijamsheh is going to be on us, with us later to talk turkey. That's a Thanksgiving pun. Thank you. And, and about the, no, somebody smiled out there <laughs> in the world. And about their fundraising efforts to aid the folks in Beirut after that unbelievable explosion a couple of months ago. So we'll hear from them. But first, the fabulous, exotic. <laughs> Gorgeous. Debbie Moser from Central Farm Markets. Deb, what's going on at the markets this week? Oh, you know, it's uh, all about Turkey and all about Thanksgiving. And we all want everybody to have a safe Thanksgiving. But we have plenty at the markets. Uh, I want everybody to remember we have a special Tuesday Thanksgiving market on November 24th at Pike and Rose from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. That's where you pick up uh, your pre-ordered turkeys will be there and all the sides and everything else. You can shop. You can pick up pre-orders. The bakers will be there. We have everything from soup to nuts. So you don't want to miss that. All of the markets are gearing up. Uh, talk to your vendors. They all have lists of delicious, yummy stuff and you'll gobble till you wobble. And uh, we hope you'll come out. And wait, 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 wait. Stop right there. Did Mitch write that line? No, no. I actually stole it from somebody, but so I like it. I love it. You know, that's my I style. Like it. Mm. You know what? I'm all about stealing these days. So right. Right. <laughs> no matter how we get it. I'm going to steal barbecue from John, but go ahead. So how can yeah. people order? Because I think, you know, Thanksgiving is really different this year and people are going to be going about it a different way. So tell us about the website, how they can order and, and make sure that they're in line for their turkeys or pies or sides or whatever it is they need. Right. So you go to our website and click on the vendor tabs. You can go right to a vendor 
Um, and they will tell you, they, it will take you to their sites and they'll have all their lists up and all their specials up. You can check with them when you come to the market. Don't forget, we have contactless pickup, um, drive up at the markets, and we also have our home delivery. So you want to make sure that you get in there, get your, your orders in. Uh, a lot of people are ordering early this year because they know that they're going to be home. They know who they're going to have. It's, you know, small little families. And the vendors are accommodating that. So right. I hope you I'm going to wrap you up, but I do want to just give you guys major kudos because during all of this, you have really put things in place to make people feel safe and comfortable at a farmer's market, whether they can order ahead, curbside pickup, and et cetera. And it's, it's, um, it's a real testament to you and Mitch and your, your commitment to the markets and to the farmers. I just well, and I, I want to give you kudos because you've done this while actually being married to Mitch, which <laughs> when we do well, stuff together, I you, say you, you know what? I use Nikki as a model, so... You know, oh, do it! I can do it. Hey, look at this, baby. Okay. Come on. Anyway, we'll see you next. All right. Week. See you Bye -bye. soon. All right. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye. So, John Snedden and Alonzo Freeman. Hi. Welcome Hi. to Foodie and the Beast. You want to see you? We'll talk about uh, cocktail week. So, you know, RAMW, the Restaurant Association of Metropolitan Washington, every year does a variety of initiatives that really gets the restaurants together to do these activations as a way to engage with the community in a different way, usually at a time when people are thinking of other things like Thanksgiving or the election. And it's sort of a great way to remind everybody, hey, don't forget the restaurants. And obviously, since we're in the middle of a pandemic and restaurants really need your attention as much as possible, um, this year, um, RAMW really came up with a way of doing Cocktail Week in a totally new and different way. So John Snedden, who is, you're on the board, right? I am. I am, yeah. yes. So, like, what does that mean for you and how you work within RMW and the community? Well, to your point, the RMW has been, I think, very innovative and very, um, uh, you know, trying to get these promotions to support the restaurants and get the community activated. It is, you know, I think it's a great way to start the holidays, celebrate the holidays, as we all have uh, anecdotally and uh, personally see alcohol consumption has gone up. But as a restaurant, it really helps to bring uh, focus to ancillary services, if you will. We're not an alcohol forward uh, establishment, but it really, um, you know, just it's a fun thing. And there, the alcohol or cocktail culture has grown so much in our city, you know, to see that over 70 uh, establishments are participating and uh, within the Rammies, right, with Alonzo and uh, our different uh, just wonderful uh, people bringing the new flavors. I know the few times we've been out recently, uh, what we've had to drink, I'm just, I, I look at it, arrive in the glass, and I'm just like, wow, you know, that's so much fun and so much different than it used to be. So, I think it's really going to be a lot of fun for everybody. Well, so let me give some of the stats. So it's November 16th. It starts not this Monday, next Monday, November 16th to November 22nd. And John, can you tell us a little bit about what people can expect to see at Cocktail Week? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, the different participating restaurants are going to have featured cocktails and pair it with a food offering. At Rockland's, we are featuring one of the things we're really excited about is we have a Rockland's bourbon that we have my fingers crossed where uh, XO Distilling out Manassas is uh, bottling for us. We hope to have it. We're going to have the Campfire Drink, which is a uh, bourbon drink paired with the 
turkey pearl, which is basically a turkey dinner in a pint container. So for us, it'll be at a special price. And I think that's at the 70 plus uh, restaurants and bars participating would be what people can expect. Some really exciting, fun options. Well, and so, but will you also be offering that to go? Cause there's to go kits, right? You can either do it at the restaurant or do it to go. Absolutely. And that's one of the things, you know, someone else, you know, said it too bad. It took a pandemic to allow cocktails to go, but it has been one of the uh, silver linings that's uh, happened. Great innovation. Great yeah. Day. So with an existing liquor license, we can then serve uh, drinks to go and uh, beer and wine to go. So yes, we have uh, little pouch packs as many people do, or some people just in a, a closable container. Mm -hmm. um, I know Chef Jeff's, I saw they had margaritas by the quart that they were selling. So uh, different ways to do it. Stick well, a straw. I mean, if you're going to drink a margarita, you know right. you're not just having one, right? So that makes sense. Because I knew, right? Take your pocket knife. Bathtub gin. But Alonzo, let's talk to you now. Uh, you're the cocktail program of the year, Rami winner. And he's it's appropriate. You guys can't see him on Zoom, but he's standing on an Olympic platform with a flame <laughs> behind him with a garland on his head holding the gold medal. <laughs> Don't show off. It's okay. Um, so what are you guys doing for cocktail week? Uh, so for me, I was trying to pair something with uh, one of our existing dishes, the citrus kale salad, uh, something light. And we're doing a mango Mai Tai. Um, it uses a lot of the same flavors that are in the salad. The salad has mango. The salad has a roasted peanut dressing. Uh, so we kind of just took a lot of those things and just made something that's light, but still boozy. Because, you know, that's what you're looking for in a cocktail. And how do you plan on delivering it to people? Like, will it be kickoff? Can you only have it there? Will it also be one of the um, to-go kits? So we have two, uh, I guess, versions. One is in-house, um, and then we're doing it to go as well. The to-go one comes in a small bottle. You'll get two cocktails to go. So, you know, after you have your very light salad, who doesn't need two Mai Tais after right. that if you're sitting at home? Nobody's driving anywhere, so what difference does it make? Exactly. And, and so, but, like, Alonzo, why participate in this? Like, do you feel that this is a good way to like market, get your word out, share with people. Why partner with RMW on these kinds of things? Uh, first, it's kind of a big deal to just be involved in our community as a very small restaurant. Um, through these times, we've kind of been uplifted by our community. So anytime we can have a chance to give back and it also doesn't help, I mean, it also doesn't hurt uh, to give a little marketing boost for us. Mm -hmm. uh, kind of just sharing the things that we're doing uh, with the neighborhood and with everyone that comes in. We just put out a new cocktail menu, so it kind of fits the theme as well. They just gave you a big okay. award. How can you say no? Um, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, also, can we just talk about your outdoor patio? Because the Royals outdoor patio is pretty fabulous. Do you want to talk about how you guys did that? Absolutely. I mean, if you've been by the Royal, you've seen that uh, I think every week for like maybe a month and a half, it's been upgraded every like every five days uh we uh have now a covered roof we have lights over each table each light's actually a heating lamp heating lamp from like the kitchen so kind of keeps you warm outside um we're gonna put up some string lights maybe some christmas decorations you know just try to make it as inviting as possible well i think that's going to be really important you know as it gets a little cooler i mean it's hard to believe it's november 7th and Climate change is a bad thing. I agree, but this part of it is kind of nice just for the moment. It will be a hot tub, correct? <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. 
Awesome. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. But when we come back, John, I really want to talk about there are going to be like marquee virtual events this year as a component of Cocktail Week. And Very I'd love exciting. to get into it a little bit because that's it's sort of like the very tiny itty bitty silver thread to um, the pandemic is the ability to communicate with people further and further away who maybe wouldn't participate in DC Cocktail Week at all. And now they can. So this Absolutely. is Dean Nellis uh, and David Nellis. Oh, okay. We are on Foodie and the Beast. Ed McMahon and Johnny Carson. Pretty much. Mm -hmm. uh, we'll be back in just a sec. Back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. We're talking to Alonzo Freeman, who's the operations manager and bar director at the Rammy award-winning Royal, <laughs> the cocktail program of the year winner. And John Snedden, who makes awesome barbecue and is also an RAMW board member. But it's the barbecue that we love him for. Let's be honest, John. <laughs> So but we are talking about uh, the Restaurant Association of Metropolitan Washington is putting on Cocktail Week, November 16th to uh, November 22nd. So you have a whole week where you can uh, try different cocktails that are all with um, some sort of paired bite. And uh, you can either enjoy them at the restaurants, on the patio, or there are to-go kits as well. But a new thing that they are doing this year is virtual events. John, can you speak to those a little bit? Yes, well, it, it is. It's one of the exciting additions uh, to this year's uh, cocktail week, and it enables people who don't, you know, you don't have to physically go to the location to participate. Uh, it will happen uh, each of the seven nights except for Saturday, and actually it's it's really timed around cocktail hours, so typically they're at four to five or five to six thirty, so very convenient. Uh, they will have uh, recipes, uh, certainly talking to experts, and I think they'll bring a lot of information um, that will be really a lot of fun to participate in uh, from afar. I'm looking uh, forward to uh, Sunday. I know uh, Derek Brown uh, is uh, featured in Sunday's event. I know um, also, uh, you know, the folks from Bresca are participating in one. Alonzo, will you be in one? I will not. I will be attending some, but I won't be hosting any. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I have a couple here. So on Monday, what's in your home bar? Um, no, with Dwayne. With uh, Dwayne Silvestri, yeah. who we all know and love. And then Rum Talk with Chef Peter Prime, um, who we also love. So there's all these different conversations happening uh, throughout the week. Um, with different uh, mixologists, bartenders, and chefs, which I think is really fabulous. Um, it will be really moderated. cool. They're moderated by uh, area media like Anyang and Nevin Martel. So um, it just looks like it's really going to be um, fabulous. Oh, Wednesday is sort of the marquee of the marquee events. Um, it's uh, it's five o'clock somewhere in the world. Global cocktails and conversations from capital cities, uh, and that is moderated by um, the editor er, editor in chief. Excuse me, a punch, and I cannot pronounce this guy's Where? real name. Can you say that, Ryan? Where are we looking? Right here. Ryan. Yeah, so I can't yeah. pronounce Ryan's full name, but he's, he's got eighteen known, letters in it. He's known as Mr. Lion. He's out of London, and he is one of the uh, sort of world-renowned bartenders. So there's lots and lots to do. Of course, I'm going to have all that information on the list. Are you on it.com? Um, John, is there anything lastly that you want to share with everybody before we wrap it up? 
come out and have a cocktail, have fun. Thank you all very much for uh, having us today and uh, really looking forward to it and happy holidays. Okay, and Alonzo, do you wanna tell everybody where we can find you at the Royal? Yeah, we're at uh, 501 Florida Avenue Northwest, uh, just at the corner of 5th and Florida. If you know the post office on Florida Avenue, we're just up the block. Uh, I just wanna say thank you. Thanks for having us. All right, all right and when you go into the Royal, you'll know that it's Alonzo because he's the guy spit polishing the Rammy. Okay, it's always on my shoulder. I feel like I feel like we've done that joke. <laughs> my joke, they haven't heard them before. Okay. Right. Uh, thanks. Thanks, guys. Thank you, guys. Thank, Thank you all. So now we are joined by Executive Chef Mark Levy of Magdalena Maryland Bistro, which just opened at the just reopened uh, Ivy in Baltimore. Chef, welcome to the show. How are you? Very good. Thank you for inviting me. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Thanks. Oh, glad to have you. Um, do us a favor. Give us a little bit of a background on the hotel, if you would, and then we'll talk about you. And well, how, right, how and the new there. restaurant, exactly. Right. Sure. Uh, well, I mean, six or seven years ago now, we uh, we got together and uh, started conceptualizing uh, the IV and what it was going to be about and the restaurant. And, um, you know, we decided to open as a fine dining restaurant with 18 boutique bedrooms uh, to be part of Relay and Chateau and uh, to have a Forbes rating uh, for the hotel. Uh, that was the original plan, um, and then of course that ran pretty well for um, you know the next five years. Once we eventually got the place open, these things never open quickly. Um, and um, and then of course then we closed down in March of this year. Right, and but when you guys closed down, you decided to reimagine the restaurant. How did the what did what happened? Well, we had a good period amount of time to. Um, have a good think about what we were doing and what we thought would be relevant um, with obviously everything that's going on and what we thought maybe the best thing moving forward um, uh, to do that, you know, and, and really, you know, I was, I was tasked with that, uh, with that thought process. And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, I really thought there would be a nice way to reconnect with um, uh, the region uh, the farmers, the you know, the, what makes this location so special, and mm -hmm. uh, the products, and I thought the best way to showcase that would be in the style of a bistro, really, uh, and try and really keep the product moving instead of being um, seasonal. That we became really hyper seasonal and just used everything that was available of the moment, and, and we moved with that by cooking maybe simpler, more unique but delicious dishes. Oh, so how does how did you like, given that you're a Relay Chateau uh, property, yeah. like how, was there any sort of instruction from Relay Chateau when it came to the pandemic? Or how did you all sort of decide how you would move forward and then create this restaurant? Well, no, Relay were fantastic, to be honest with you. They um, held a lot of uh, group meetings and um, mass discussions between general managers and chefs in separate different forums to uh, discuss what it is that, you know, maybe this hotel was doing that can help us or, oh, no, we're doing this and this worked really well, uh, you know, because some places open sooner than others. So it was a, it was an ongoing thing that really helps us do that. And really Relay's um, uh, direction when it comes to cuisine is it's a, you just have to have a delicious restaurant. Right. They don't necessarily mind what you do. It's just you have to, you know, you have to execute it. You have to cook really, really delicious food. Well, and we're big fans of all, all Relay Chateau properties. I mean, they're just something about the level of excellence at a Relay and Chateau. Yeah, how, how can you not be? Yeah. Right. I mean, they're amazing, right? Yeah. 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 Yeah.
yeah. Canada to Washington. I mean, it, there's a lot. Uh, there's more in Europe than there are in the States. But, um, but yeah, I mean, the fact that you guys have that designation just speaks volumes about the kind of, um, of property that you are. Um, let's dig into your menu a little bit. What can people expect? We uh, broke the menu down into uh, four sections. Mm -hmm. uh, so we have an hors d'oeuvre section, which really is uh, the lighter, smaller plates <coughs> to do with the, um, um, uh, you know, on an appetizer side. Then we have the full appetizers. Um, then we move into entrees, and then the entrees has, uh, uh, has a sides or an accompaniment section uh, mm -hmm. on there. And then we have the desserts. So what we wanted to do was be able to provide people with, um, you know, these different uh, a different price point perspective when they came to see us uh, to give them any more options. You know, now you can come in and you know eat a dry aged uh, cheeseburger with uh, with a great local beer, you know, and and be there for you know an hour and and you know leave with a much different uh, check total than what you first came there with. Mm -hmm. um, so that was our first part of it to make it more approachable, you know, for the community and for Baltimore and of course people, you know, who are, you know, struggling right now. So that was really one of the main parts. As far as the food goes, you know, I, I delved into uh, various different um, areas and historically wise um, of, uh, you know, Maryland cuisine, you know, when we, you know, reimagined things like Southern Maryland ham. Um, a mock turtle soup 2020, as I called it, mm. um, and then uh, and then you know a Smith Island cake on the desserts, and you know so there was some real simple stuff, some stuff that's still technically quite difficult, which was a challenge for my cook still, which is you know is a good thing, mm. um, and there's other stuff that really you know we just let the great product be itself and just treat it treat it kindly really. Well, chef, considering the pandemic is still going full force out there in the world, what is going on with uh, take home or home delivery or any of that, I would assume that despite the fact that you're, you know, you've got 18 hotel rooms there, that there's still sure. need for that kind of a, a, a customer uh, group as well. Yeah, I mean, in a way, we're, we're kind of lucky. Obviously, we have room service breakfast, uh, the hotel, we have other outlets for food in the hotel. But um, what we gave ourselves was just a few weeks uh, when we opened to find our feet again. Uh, and figure out this new style that we're trying to we're trying to do. Um, but with it getting colder, uh, um, to go and take out is is lined up for, to start next week. Oh, terrific! And what about yeah. do you guys have outdoor space? Did you incorporate that or no? Like what? Because I know yeah, you that's correct. Yeah, I mean, obviously we opened in early October, so uh, you know the weather was still lovely. It's actually really nice uh, <laughs> today and tomorrow, however long that right. lasts. But um, um, yeah, we have we have the courtyard, which has we can see around sixteen to twenty people, depending on spacing, obviously right now. Mm -hmm. um, and did you That's have to a... do any sort of special touches or anything like that to you know? Not at, not at the beginning. I mean, we always had it as an operational area for the restaurant, mm -hmm. um, for the hotel. So uh, really, we just made sure that it was you know correctly socially distanced. Uh, we added some heaters, so there's four heaters out there now, um, just to make it more comfortable. But we just we just feel it's going to come to a point where uh, it may just be obviously get too cold. Well, I, I do have to tell our listeners that you guys really went to uh, the extreme and to make sure that everybody was going to be safe there because you had uh, consulting from the director of the Harvard Medical School Infectious Research Department. So it's pretty impressive. Well, well, we're very fortunate with the people that, you know, who own and run the hotel and the connections that they have. 
Um, so we, you know, we we felt that with, you know, somewhere like Magdalena and the Ivy Hotel and the standard that it upholds, it was essential that we mimicked that standard with what our new, you know, cleanliness, you know, cleaning policies were, and uh, and protection not just for the guests but for our staff as well. Absolutely, it goes for both. Okay, uh, we have one yeah. minute left. Well, Go I've ahead, got David. one more question about the, the the mansion itself. What's the history on the location? Well, uh, of course, it's uh, part of the uh, um, uh, you know historic Mount Vernon. Um, a lot. It's it's in a massive row of brown uh, these beautiful brownstones up and down uh, North Calvert Street. And um, really, I, I would say the most famous part of it is one of the uh, original owners uh, of that uh, mansion, the corner mansion there, um, was William Painter, who was the uh, inventor of the bottle cap, of course, here, and the, the Crown Cork and Seal Company. Um, so we have a nice little ode to him in our, what we call our treasury room um, downstairs. Uh, pretty crazy that the guy invented the bottle cap lives in Baltimore. Or lived in Baltimore. <laughs> so, Chef, we want to thank you so much for joining us this morning. Um, we are, cannot wait to head out to the Ivy, check out what you're doing, and also see the beautiful rooms. Can you tell everybody where they can find you, please? Sure. We're at uh, 205 East Middle Street in Mount Vernon in uh, downtown Baltimore, and uh, we'd love to see you there. And thank you for your time as well, and I appreciate you listening. Excellent. Thanks so much. This is David and Nikki Nellis. Up next, we got Mike Curtin, DC Central Kitchen. We're back on Foodie and the Beast. And very quickly, you know, this show, you're hearing it on Sunday, but we record on Saturday and we just got word that they finally called the race for Joe Biden. We have a president elect that we've been very supportive of. And thank God we We're got Joe excited. Biden. Run, Joe, run. All right. Yes. So let's turn to Mike Curtin from DC Central Kitchen. Mike has been a guest on the show several times. And um, he is always a hail and hearty fellow, well met with good news about the workings at DC Central Kitchen. How are you, Mike? I'm doing fabulous, David and Nikki. How are you guys? It's really better nice. now, right? Right. Yeah. We're much better now. Better, better now than five minutes ago. Listen, before <laughs> we get into everything about the Capitol food fight and, and all of that, can you give everybody just a quick 411 on DC Central Kitchen and kind of the layers of operations that you guys have going there? Sure. Thank you. Uh, so DC Central Kitchen, we are a, a food-based social enterprise. We've been around now almost 32 years here in the district. Um, we, we started as an organization that was rescuing, recovering, repurposing food that would otherwise be thrown away, turning it into healthy meals that we would then deliver to organizations who were helping people find a path to self-sufficiency so they could focus on their mission. Uh, and while we were doing that, we uh, recognizing that, that food is our tool, it's a means, not the end, and that we will ultimately never eat our way out of hunger or foodborne and hunger, uh, we, we focused on training individuals who, who face significant barriers to employment, barriers like histories of incarceration, addiction, abuse, trafficking, homelessness, um, to get jobs in the hospitality industry so ultimately we wouldn't have to give out food. Um, and then over the last several years, we've really focused on developing a, a large portfolio of, of businesses like locally sourced scratch cooked school food, catering, other contract meals. Uh, to earn revenue for the kitchen to support our program, but, but also to employ many of the men and women who graduated from our program and to uh, sort of model the kind of employer that we want, hope others would be, so people truly can not just get a job, but can start a career and support themselves through living wages, um, good benefits, living benefits, health insurance, uh, retirement support, uh, all of those things that, that help sort of ultimately break this, this incredibly destructive and generational cycle of hun hunger, poverty, addiction, incarceration, uh, and to get our community to a better place. Well, I mean, it's just, I listen, we have you guys on every year for the last 12 years because the work that DC Central Kitchen does 
is just so important and the way you all have evolved over the 32 years to sort of, you know, to your, your mission is there, but it changes and grows as the needs and, and uh, change as well, which I think is so important. You know, there's so many charities that sort of lose sight of that sometimes. The, the, the mo you hit the most important thing and, and, and that's the focusing on the mission, though, even though what we do has evolved and grown and developed, it, it, we've been able to do that because we've always been focused on this idea of liberation and creating opportunity uh, and being very true to that. And, and we knew that as long as we stay there and focus on that, everything else will, will follow. And like David says, th this model has been replicated over a hundred times now across the country. Um, perhaps in, in some ways, most notably with our good friend, Jose Andreas in, in the world central kitchen. Mm -hmm. Right. So now what happens now? Like, where are you guys now with COVID and everything? Like what's happening? Well, well, you know, what, what's been fascinating is um, because of COVID, we had to really put on hold two of our, of our main tenants, and, and the one being working with volunteers coming into the kitchen to prepare these meals. And the other one, as, as I said, the, our focus has always been um, people are going crazy out in the streets now. This is awesome. Like horns on there. I know. But as I said, the training has been the focus, but just out of safety reasons, we had to put that on hiatus. We just started back up. Uh, but we've really focused on the meals. So we, we have, since March, have produced over 2 million meals um, that we've put into the, the community um, and uh, a couple hundred thousand grocery bags that we're putting, about 5,000 a week into the community. Uh, but what we've done, and again, this is something that I think is really one of the things that I'm proud of about the kitchen, we've done it in a very thoughtful way. So we've, we've increased what we purchased to put into those meals in those bags uh, focusing on um, small family farms, most notably black farmers and Latinx farmers. So over the last several months, we put over a million dollars into small rural communities and some urban farms right here in D.C. so that our economic impact is far beyond just the, the folks that we're immediately working with. Um, we've had to convert all of the way we do our food from large congregate meals to individual meals, which is uh, might sound easy, but it's, it was it was an incredible feat that we uh, that we turned around and that the staff came together and did, has done just, just remarkable work. Um, we've started mobile feeding sites uh, throughout the city. Um, our, our, our Healthy Corners program, which is our wholesale program selling fresh fruits and vegetables and cut fruits and vegetables to corner stores in our city's food deserts, um, we cut the prices that were of those by about from 25 to 50%. So the retailers could reduce their prices so more people had access to fresh food but the retailers were still making money. You know, we didn't want to penalize or, or hurt one group at the expense of another. We, we'd engaged restaurants and caterers to produce meals for us that, um, that we just didn't have the capacity to do. And, and, and one of the things that I'm most proud of is because we, were, we have been the beneficiary of such a tremendous, almost staggering, stunning amount of philanthropy for, throughout the community um, that we've been able to subgrant a lot of that money, about a quarter of a million dollars, to small nonprofits, mostly east of the Anacostia River, run by uh, people of color, uh, who are really doing this grassroots work on the ground, because uh, we recognize that if once we get through this, if large organizations like DC Central Kitchen are the only ones standing, this is going to be a very, very desperate ecosystem. Uh, and if we can use this opportunity to create more strength and sustainability throughout the sector, we're going to be in a much better place. So those are just a couple of the things we've been doing over the last few months. It's really hard to imagine the greater D.C. area, the region, if there had never been a D.C. central kitchen, the difference in, in, in just in, in, in food security for, mm -hmm. for folks who need it. Really. And jobs.
Yeah. Well, so now you guys are totally, um, I hate using this word. We need a new word for 2020, uh, pivoting. But uh, <laughs> yeah. Capital Food Fight is one of your big events. You do it every yeah. year. It is a must. It's it's one of the food events of the season, usually. Um, so how are you changing it this year? What are you doing so that people can participate and and safely? Safely. And you're really not <laughs> yeah. doing it to raise funds for DC Central Kitchen. You're really doing it to raise money for the restaurants, right? Or Yes, absolutely. So when, when we recognized, and we recognized early, basically in April, that we weren't going to be able to have the raucous kind of, you know, just fun, just craziness that, that the food fight has become uh, over the last couple of years at the Reagan building and the last two years at the Anthem. I mean, um, I will we, just say for the record, not hearing Jose on the speaker, super, super, <laughs> super loud. Um, I'm okay with that part. I love listening yeah, to Jose, I, but it, it, that's it, it, Yeah, that's just that's that's one of the ways we're yeah. to the reverb. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, Jose and I uh, we, we joke about the like, he's he's convinced it's just the sound system wherever. Yeah. yeah he's loud. Um, he's loud. <laughs> but but so we, we recognized we weren't going to be able to pull people together. So we, we wanted to focus on two things when we created this, this virtual event. And the first is is to maintain this co the community that has um, sort of born out of this food fight. It really has brought a whole bunch of people together to support the kitchen around the beauty of, of food and drink and community and the, and the, the power that that, uh, that community can, can create. So we really want to maintain that sense of community. And the second, as you mentioned, Nick, is, is really to shine a light on our restaurant partners. We say this all the time, but it can never be said enough, is that DC Central Kitchen absolutely would not be where we are today uh, without the incredible support of the hospitality community. You know, when Robert Egger cooked up this idea 32 years ago, most people thought he was crazy, right? It would never work. The people who didn't were the chefs and the restaurateurs who saw the power that, 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 that the system could create. Uh, and so this is a time when, when you know, the restaurants are hurting. It, it's just tragic to see the, 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 the incredible work that men and, the men and women in this industry have put in and it's just sort of slipping away. Um, so all the stuff that we're doing, we typically restaurants will volunteer all their time and talent and treasure to this event we, we are not allowing anyone to volunteer stuff we're paying for everything so the food that's being curated that's being sent out to, to people if they buy that chef the battling chef box we're paying for that the the uh, we're, we're supporting the restaurants for the, the, the taco box uh, uh the um the gift certificates that we're going to be giving away the, the gift cards to restaurants we're paying for so we're trying to do everything that we can uh, and the cool, one of the really cool things, if you follow us on Capital on social media at, at DCCK or hashtag Capital Food Fight, we, we've produced um, a limited edition T-shirt uh, by a local artist on the front that has some iconic landmarks of DC, and on the back it lists all of the restaurants that have ever been participating in Food Fight, and all of the proceeds for that are going to the Restaurant Association Metropolitan Washington Relief uh, Worker Relief Fund. That's amazing, Mike. I got it. Quick question. The the cost of joining the digital show link is $50, basically your ticket, but you have uh, different ticket prices, 50, 150, and 500 uh, for, for packages that are available online. What's the difference between those? Sure. The, well, the 500 one is is the battling chef dinner box. So the four battling, the four chefs, the local chefs that are battling, uh, and they're Angel Barreto from Anju, Paolo Dunca from Peter Chang Restaurant Group, Peter Prime from Kane, and Shannon Concoso from Brooklyn's Finest Bar and Kitchen have curated a four-course meal uh, that will pr be produced by our friends at Occasions Caterers and come with um, wine or champagne and cocktails. 
Um, and that will, that, that will be delivered to your house the day of the event. Um, that's $500, but that the sales for that package are closing on Tuesday. Okay. So we got to get that in. The, the 151 you mentioned, David, is the, the taco and margarita flight um, produced by our friends uh, Spike Mendelson and his family at Santa Rosa Taqueria. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's a, a, you know, a nice, hearty taco box to be picked up that day. Uh, and then the, the, the digital link is $50. Got it. I mean, it's, it, I have to be honest. Smart. It's also well done and so smart because there's so many moving parts. I mean, I know there's a lot of moving parts when you're in a single location, but when you're mm-hmm. doing it virtually, like getting things delivered, getting things to people, that's it's a it's a lot. I, I'm, I'm I am I am I am awed by the effort <laughs> that you are taking well, on. Well, thank you. It, it is a it's a, del- a delicate ballet, like just about what we do every day. But I hope you feel the same way on the 18th, Nikki, and I and I and I'm I'm certain you will. Yeah, I have no doubt. All right, so Mike, <laughs> thanks so much for joining us this morning. As always, uh, DC Kitchen does such incredible work, and you have the entire support of the community. Um, and everybody should really check out what's happening this year for the Capital Food Guide because there's so many ways to get involved, whether you just check it out virtually or get the fabulous taco meal from Santa Rosa, or if you got the bigger bucks and you should spend them, then uh, yeah. there's so many different ways to participate. Um, Mike, one last time, tell everybody where they can find out. I mean, other than the list, are you on it.com? Obviously, all the oh. info. <laughs> right. DCCentralKitchen.com or .org, DCCentralKitchen.org. Uh, uh-huh. There's a, a food fight page right there. And then again, follow us on social at, at hashtag capital food fight or at DCCK. Uh, all the information that you'd ever need is, is there. And we really uh, look forward to, to seeing everyone on the 18th. And hopefully we'll be back live next year. I think November 8th is the, the Thursday night at the Anthem. If we get From through this list. madness. All right. I yeah. hope so. Okay. Be safe. Be well. Good work. Go buddy. outside and celebrate. Um, and we'll see you at the Capitol Food Fight. This is David and Nikki Nellis with Foodie and the Beast. When we come back, Grace Shea joins us from Lebanese Daverna. Well, we are back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. And uh, we've got a, a, a favorite guest of ours on the line. Uh, Grace Abinijam Shea is one of the family members uh, who are owners of Lebanese Taverna. And aside from interesting news about Thanksgiving and what uh, Lebanese Taverna will be doing then, we really want Grace to update us on their monumental efforts to raise money to help the victims of the massive explosion in Beirut. Uh, I guess I can't even remember, two and a half months ago. Hi, Grace. Hi, Grace. Hi, David. Hi, Nikki. How so long happy ago to be was with you guys? Oh, we're so thrilled to have you. How long it ago did that happen? August 4th. August okay. 4th. So it's a few right. months now. Yeah. Do you remember? Yeah. That was insane. Like that, that video insane. of the that building video. just. Oh my gosh. I mean, it really was. It kind of brought back the 9 11, like, mm-hmm. traumatic, you know, moment where you see something and you just don't believe it. Right, and right, that was one of those moments. Totally with you. It was hard to, it was hard to digest what was actually happening. So, listen, the news in this country, as you know, especially over the last few months, has been two things. COVID election, COVID election, COVID election. And when the explosion happened in Beirut, it did get a lot of attention, but it's really dwindled. So can you tell us what's happening and and what people need to know? You know, it's really unfortunate. I know like a lot of places in the world, it was a very bad situation going into that event. 
and it just continues to to get worse. I mean, Lebanon was having a collapsing economy. The bank system has collapsed almost fully. Um, the one thing they did have going for them at that time was that COVID was not 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 bad, and and they had been able to keep it under control. But after the explosion, as you can imagine, everyone coming to help right. and all these people out and about, it's it's now they're they're it's getting worse and worse by the day. The hospitals are full. They have, you know, the tents for uh, the hospital beds treating COVID patients. So it's, it's triage at this point. It's, I can't even say like, this is happening. Everything's happening. There's no, uh, there's no government. There's no banking system. COVID's taking over. And it's just so unfortunate. It's a beautiful country and, um, and beautiful people. And they're, they're, they're smart, well-educated. You know, it's a, it's a, I call it the Miami of the Middle East. Like, you know, it's not, it's, this shouldn't be happening in a place like this. So it's very unfortunate. You know, um, the, the the other good thing is that from this, from the explosion, at least the the immediate area, it's in a somewhat, it wasn't a, a lot of these people have family that can help them have, you know, the, the homelessness of the Lebanese people that were directly affected is really, a, a much smaller issue than the massive damage that was, you know, that happened in a three, three mile area. And um, one of the things I'm very proud of is that Lebanese people, they help each other. Like it was, you know, the explosion happened and with you know, hours, people were down on the streets, cleaning up, helping each other. And it was interesting. Uh, um, Danny was uh, over there. My brother and world central kitchen was there and, and Jose and, you know, they do an amazing job, but they were only there for a couple of weeks. You know, the need wasn't as as they thought it would be because there's so many people helping there. So it's a wonderful thing about the Lebanese people. That is a wonderful thing. And you guys at Lebanese Corona did a fundraiser. How were you able to raise that money? Uh, <sighs> Lebanese you know, I mean, given like yeah. I mean, we're in the middle of a pandemic, like you're, the restaurants are struggling. How were you able to do that? Yeah, it was a really beautiful thing. And I will probably get choked up when I talk about it. But, you know, we've been a restaurant for 41 years. And we've been part of the community that we we are in, starting in Arlington, D.C., Maryland. And we've always considered ourselves as ambassadors to Lebanon because, you know, the embassy didn't have much of a presence. It's a small country. And so I think people look to us to see, to learn about the food, to learn about the culture, to learn, you know, our family life, kind of learning how, learning about Lebanon. And so it just seemed like a natural place. We knew people wanted to help. Our customers reached out to us. And it seemed like, and one of the big things during that time was like, don't trust any organizations in Lebanon. Don't, you know, be careful where you send your money. And so we thought it was a natural place for us to be where people trust us. Right. At least I, I, I'm assuming they do. And, I, and obviously they did. They trust us to know that we were going to funnel that money into the right places. So it was it was almost, you know, they didn't give it a second thought. Within a few days, we had thirty, forty thousand dollars, and it just kept going up from there. Um, and you raised over a hundred thousand, right? Absolutely. Uh, ultimately, raised over a hundred thousand. I think um, twenty-five just for World Central Kitchen. Um, and you know we're doing a couple of smaller fundraisers that are kind of ongoing. We've purchased um, a couple thousand of boxes of masks that were produced in Lebanon, made in Lebanon, um, and all the profits from that, um, all the revenue goes to back to to Lebanon. 
Um, we're doing a wine program where, because, you know, Lebanese wines, people, it, it's, a, Lebanese it's a great wine country. Lebanese wine is delicious. We love Lebanese yes. wine. Yes, it is. And, and, and it's a great thing. We're going to help them by importing and selling wine. And then a, a, the profits will also go back to um, to the Lebanese Red Cross and to the winemakers themselves because everyone is affected in Lebanon. And, you know, if there's something we can do, if we can represent Lebanon and help people understand it and be that the go-between between the community here and the people in Lebanon, it's a, it's a no-brainer. Hmm, that's amazing. I mean, listen, Grace, you and your family have always done, you're such an active participant in this community, the DC metro area. And, um, you know, we just had Mike Curtin on from DC Central Kitchen. I know you guys do a lot of work with him and you do a lot of work with Jose at World Central Kitchen. Um, you, you're just such an incredible part of the community. As the pandemic came, brought everything to a halt, you guys did a lot of things to figure out how you could best serve the community and, and yourselves and your staff. How did, what did you guys go around to do? Well, I think the, the thing that, you know, is the most exciting for us and, and, and the most unique is that we are delivering all over the East Coast. And it really started, you know, a lot of restaurants did wait, these wait, neighborhood wait, drops. Up. What does that mean, delivering? Like, like packaging it up? <laughs> like, like, I get in a refrigerated truck and okay. people pre-order and we drive to Charlottesville or we drive to Delaware or we drive to you know, Deep Creek Lake, where we've, someone in Raleigh has contacted us. And if you can get enough orders, we'll come. And we have not canceled one yet. I'm going to Williamsburg next week. Um, and it's just, it's, it's really through our catering company, because as you can imagine, catering That's is really not thing. happening. Sure. So we have these trucks and we have the staff. And, you know, because we've been around for so long, people know the brand and usually, you know, you might have barbecue, you might have tacos, you might have, you know, all kinds of food in the areas that you live in, but the, the chances of you having Lebanese are a little, you know, a little less. So a place like Charlottesville, we went last week, we had 90 orders and we had to cut it off because we had no more room in the truck. That's amazing. So, I, yeah. I just think it yeah. speaks to uh, your staying power that yes, I mean, I think there are so many people who are like, I want to open up a restaurant without knowing. Oh my gosh. And you have been around for so long. It's incredible. Well, I think, you know, the big word during the pandemic is pivot, right? Like everyone's had to pivot. Well, we've been pivoting for 40 years. I mean, so. let me do, if I could just interrupt you for a second, if you're playing along, drink. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I had no idea. Okay. <laughs> Pivot is a big yes. word. That's why we're screwing our speech at this point. <laughs> Wait, I didn't know. Let me, let me, hold on. Let me go get mine. Pour right. some of your Lebanese wine. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, uh, and we actually, and, and that's part of the, the delivery. You can get wine too. So it's just, it's, look, it's, um, is it going to save us? Uh, you know, no. But is it is it great for us? Is it great for our morale? Is it great for the customers that are getting? Is it great for our employees and our catering company? It is such a, I mean, I feel like a bootlegger. I literally, it's like, meet me in this parking lot. I'm in the truck that says Lebanese Severna. I hop out of the front, open the back door. I'm like, what's your name? And I give them their bag. It's like... <laughs> as long as you don't bury them in a cement casket, then. I know. I think, I feel like I'm going to get buried sometimes. Well, you're hummus, I, you know, like. <laughs> well, listen, it um, it's amazing, and I'm 
so thrilled that you guys have found a way to do it. Can we talk, we only have like a minute left. Can we talk about Thanksgiving? Because I know you're putting, putting out a huge promotion and everybody's getting on Thanksgiving very early this year because it's going to be different this year. So yeah, what do you guys absolutely. have? So, you know, you know, people always ask us growing up, do you do turkey? And I was like, no, not really, but we do chicken. We do, you know, we, so we have our version. We are doing turkeys, but we're going to spice it with our spices and do it our way. And we have our fragrant, fragrant, you know, pilafs and rices with cinnamon and allspice and toasted almonds. Um, and, if, uh, you know, for the people that would like, there's lamb. And then you have your traditional sides, mashed potatoes and such, but fried cauliflower, um, sauteed green beans with whole garlic cloves. Uh, mm. And baklava crusted pumpkin cheesecake, which I tried for the first time last week, and I was very skeptical. It is so good. So wait, what is it? Tell me what it is. Baklava crusted pumpkin cheesecake. That sounds delicious. I mean, that sounds really it good. It was. It was really good. Not bad for some Lebanese, you know. Yeah. All right. You know what? Well, let's just say pivot so we can drink to that. Okay. Cheers. Yeah. So we're All right. pivoting. All right. All right. So listen, well, actually, the whole world is pivoting, which is so exciting. Yeah. Uh, Grace, we have to wrap up. Tell everybody where they can find you um, on the internet and uh, on uh, Instagram. Absolutely. We have a beautiful new website, LebaneseSaverna.com. Mm -hmm. um, you can order, you can find our delivery schedule for where we'll be on the East Coast or out in Middleburg or Leesburg. You can find our Thanksgiving menu and um, right. all of our locations are open too. Okay, great. Thanks so much, Grace. Be safe and well. Bye. Same to you too. Nice talking. Okay, so thanks for joining us so much on this celebratory show of Foodie and the Beast. Um, yes, we are going to be popping champagne. We're so uh, thrilled about what's you happening out say there. One thing. You go, Joe. You go, Joe. Uh, anyway, but we do thank all of our guests for joining us in studio today. Uh, everything you heard today, you can find on the list for youwanna.com. Of course, you can follow me at N-Y-C-C-I-N-E-L-L-I-S on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for everything that is happening in the D.C. metro area. And do not forget, just because we're in the middle of a pandemic does not mean things are not happening. There are virtual events. There are things that can be shipped to your house. There are so many ways to eat and drink deliciously in and around the D.C. metro area. So once again, thank you to all of our guests. And everybody, please have a delicious week.